Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you. All right. How's everyone doing this week? <laughs> you start to answer the default, great. It's like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so it's funny, I, I had this uh, message kind of planned since, uh, since I last spoke, and so I'm excited to share it with you guys, and I feel like it really is really fitting for the, for the time that we're in right now. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. This is a really simple kind of point that I, I, I want to make. It's not very complicated, but I, you know, I've, I find that sometimes the, the simple parts of God's nature and our, and our relationship with him are the ones that we need to revisit the most. Just, just because sometimes things that are simple, things that are pure, things that are kind of raw, if we, uh, be, because they're such a frequent part of our life, if we don't kind of take care of them, if we don't sharpen them, if we don't steward them, they can kind of become dull. Does that, does that make sense? An example I like to use is, you know, I, I tell my wife, I tell my kids that I love them every single day, usually, usually multiple times a day. And that's awesome. I love that. And I never want to not do that. But if I don't pay attention to that, if I don't sharpen that, if I don't make sure that that means something every time that I say it, if I don't connect those, that ritual, that, that ritual of saying that phrase over and over again to the actual depth of what it, what it, uh, where it comes from, it can just become a ritual. It can just become a thing that I say before I go outside the door. You know, does that make sense? And so this is one of those things. Um, I would love to talk about worship. Worship, yes. We're fans of worship around here, aren't we? Um, <clears throat> we have one big fan. <laughs> um, so if you guys have been around for a little while, you know uh, this is familiar territory for you, but if you're new, uh, welcome. Uh, a, big, a big part of my personal testimony is that I've, uh, ever since I was a young child, I've uh, seen in the spirit. So I've seen uh, angels and demons and other spiritual things, uh, not so differently from the way that I'm seeing all of you right now. Um, and I wanted to take a little bit of time just to, just really just to share a couple of stories about what happens when we're in worship. Um, now, um, I've heard a lot of great definitions of what worship is over the years. I've heard some not great ones as well, but we're not going to talk about those today. Um, the, the ones that I like best, and I, this isn't the only one, this isn't a restrictive definition, it's just uh, the, the one that I like best, is, is uh, to gaze upon the Lord. That's it. To gaze upon the Lord. As I understand it, the root word, when you see it in Scripture, for worship is to gaze upon, to gaze upon. And, you know, you probably hear people talk a lot about how, you know, worship isn't just singing songs. And when we do have our worship time and we do sing songs, it's not about the songs that we're singing. It's, it's again, it's about gazing upon the Lord. It's about looking at him. It's about seeing him for who he is. And I, I want us to, to, get into this headspace because something that's so important to remember about God and one of the reasons that we can understand that worship is so powerful is, as we all know, God is big, right? He's, he's infinite. 
He's, he is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the bookends. He is he's the beginning and the end. He, he, he lives in eternity. He is bigger than bigger than anything. Again, I, it's, 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 it's unfathomable. If, if every single one of us, every single human being on this planet was operating to the full measure of every single spiritual gift every single day and expressing his nature through every gift of the spirit every single day for the entirety of human history, we still would not have fully expressed the full measure of his nature because he's that big, yeah? And so this requires a certain amount of humility to say is I, I, I tend to think, and may, some may disagree with me and some who are in leadership of the church may disagree with me and that's okay. But I think the most important thing that we do when we gather together is not the teaching part. I think the most important thing that we do when we gather is the worshiping part is that we are coming together and we are collectively gazing upon the Lord. Because when we're teaching, and I think it's a good thing, is we can kind of focus on different pieces of his nature. We can focus on different pieces of who he is and try to kind of manifest that, bring that into reality, bring that into relatability, get, get it to be something that we can grasp. But when we just stand in his presence and gaze upon him and look at him, we're actually not limited by our ability to express it, our ability to kind of grasp it, our ability to hold it. We're just gazing at who he is and taking it in. Does that make sense? And what we do then is we simply, and this is kind of, again, my favorite definition of worship is to gaze upon the Lord and respond. To gaze upon the Lord and respond. And that might mean dancing. That might be laying down on the floor. That might be sitting quietly. That might be doing a great number of things, but it's just gazing upon the Lord and responding to him. It's engaging in the mystery of who he is, the magnitude of, it, of who he is. And it is powerful. It is powerful. Again, like I said, I, I've uh, seen the Spirit for, for all of my life, and so I wanted to share a couple of stories of what, what happens when we're in worship. I want to just lay a little bit of a background because I know that some of you have heard me talk about this to greater and lesser extents, but from the very beginning of, of experiencing uh, this, this gift, my favorite thing to do has been to watch what happens during worship. Because I've been a Christian my entire life. I've been going to church since uh, before I was born, in fact. <laughs> um, in my mama's tummy. Um, in case that was confusing. Um, <laughs> um, <coughs> and I've been, so I've been in a lot of, lot of worship services in my life. And I've never seen one of them where what is happening in the spirit is exactly the same as the time before. It's completely unique every single time every single time. Every time before worship starts, when the band is practicing and preparing and, and kind of you know, getting ready for, for what they're going to be doing, I see angels moving around the room, preparing the room for what the Lord is going to be doing that day. Sometimes they're walking up and down the aisles and laying things on people's seats, stuff that the Lord is wanting to release, to bless people with, to encourage people with during the week. Sometimes they, um, uh, they're on the stage with the band, almost practicing the, for lack of a better term, is kind of a human term applied to something that's not very human, but uh, practicing the choreography for what they're going to be doing to partner with the way that people are worshiping. I, um, I remember, you know, I would, I would, when I was a little kid, I didn't really know that what I was seeing was out of the ordinary. And so I remember being, you know, three or four years old, sitting in church, 
And as we were playing this uh, worship music, I would see these angels dressed in long flowing golden robes, just dancing up and down the aisles, doing these great leaping bounds. And as they jumped up into the air, there would be this um, gold dust that would just kind of fall off of these uh, long robes that they were wearing and it would get onto people's faces and their faces would be sparkling for the rest of the day. When we worship in God's presence, it leaves a mark. It stays with us. It sits with us. And, it, and, it, and it, it, it's funny. It's, it's about him. We are focusing on him. We're gazing upon him. But the natural result of gazing upon him is being transformed by what we see. Does that make sense? I remember this, um, you know, sometimes I would... Uh, see things in worship and they just, they just, uh, made perfect sense. I remember we, um, we had this, uh, woman, uh, again, I was, let me see, I was uh, 13 years old at this point and I just learned about the gift of seeing the spirit was learning about prophecy and so I was kind of being more active about trying to interpret the things that I was seeing. And I remember this woman had just lost her husband. He had just, uh, passed away. He was, uh, you know, he was in his late fifties. So it was too, you know, too, too young. And, she had just been walking around with this, this heavy heart. And our church was worshiping that day and multiple weeks in a row, we had been praying for her and brought her up to the front to lay hands on her. And it was a blessing every time and it encouraged her every time. But there was just still this kind of heaviness and this just emptiness in, in, in her eyes as she walked around. And, and it was a hard thing because this guy, he was just one of those guys like, he had, you know, every, he had fixed every car in the church at some point or another. You know, he had helped someone out of a bind at some point. He had lent money to people. He was just that kind of guy who was just an amazing guy. So it was really a loss for the, for the whole church. And I remember this one day in worship, I saw um, there was these angels that were, uh, they were going all across the stage carrying these long banners. And these banners, when they would dance, during worship, anytime the music would kind of hit a crescendo, they would jump up high into the air and the banner would get longer as they, as they jumped through the air and it would drape over the entire room. And it was just draping over people back and forth and back and forth. And then I saw, you know, there was a dozen or so angels dancing around the room as we were worshiping. And I saw this one particular angel as it danced past this woman, this woman who had been going through this mourning process, it stopped completely. And again, if it had been like a stage performance or something like that, it would be really awkward because all of a sudden this person who's in this complex thing where these, these banners are interweaving with one another suddenly stops. But it was as if that had already been anticipated, so it didn't mess up any part of the pattern. But this angel stopped in front of this woman, looked her in the eyes, and then just started dancing around just her and wrapped her around again and again and again and again and again and again with this, this uh, cloth. And I watched in the physical as her head lifted up, as her eyes almost cleared, and she just began, this, this weight just kind of slipped off of her. And even though there was still a mourning process after that, it wasn't this, this deep, dark heaviness that it had been for the weeks before. Our, our heart is transformed when we stand in worship. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter how unjust it, it was that, that he had been taken uh, so early, um, the, the presence of the, the, the standing and gazing upon an infinite God, even if we don't understand what, why that happened, if we, even if we don't understand 
uh, what it looks like for God to fulfill the promises that he has of paying a hundredfold what the enemy has stolen. Even if we don't understand that, when we gaze upon the Lord, when we gaze upon his infinite nature, we receive the reality of who he is, even if we don't understand it yet. Does that make sense? So sometimes I would see things in worship and it made sense. I could see how that, that angel's just kind of wrapping that, that person in, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, you know, that's or something close to that. Sometimes it would be something really abstract. You know, I would, you know, we'd be worshiping and all of a sudden this kind of orange light would come into the room. It would go this way, it would go that way, and then it would go out the window. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I, I guess Jesus loves orange soda, I don't know. Um, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, what does that, what does that mean? And, you know, as I was trying, cause I was working hard at this point to try to interpret this stuff so I could share it with people so that I could bless people. That's, that would be the point. Right. And so I, uh, but I would get frustrated because sometimes I would see something and it made sense and it looked clear and other times it'd be very abstract. Um, and so I remember I was 15 years old and we were doing this uh, three-day, 24-hour uh, worship conference. And so 24 hours a day for three days, we were just worshiping at our church. It was awesome. And so I went there late one of the nights. It was, um, you know, started at 10 p.m., the kind of 10 p.m. to midnight slot. And so there was just, uh, just a guy with a hand drum and an acoustic guitar on stage. And I walked into the room and I look in the spirit, I'm 15 year old, years old at this point, and I see this kind of greenish, bluish, whitish smear of light that's kind of oscillating back and forth like this. And you know, I'm 15, so I'm like, what, what is that? <laughs> Why is that there? Why are you showing me this, Lord? And what am I supposed to do about it? This is annoying. <laughs> And so I sit down at the back, slump in my chair like this, having, you know, um, I probably didn't make that sound, but my attitude was making that sound. You're kind of cranky about everything from like 15 to 18 or 19, depending. Um, and so, at least I was. Side note, I see all these awesome dancers come up here for the worship thing, and I'm like, ah, to be young again. And then I thought, I couldn't dance like that when I was that young. So, <laughs> who am I kidding? <laughs> uh, anyway, side note, unrelated to the message. Um, <laughs> um, so I sit down, and I, uh, I'm ha having my wonderful attitude about this situation, and all of a sudden, my, I, I catch uh, this uh, woman who's sitting in the front row, kind of far side, front row. She's uh, an older woman in her late 80s or early 90s, and she's kind of sitting down in the front row, hands folded, kind of leaning down like this. Now, I had this thought go through my mind. It was really through the back of my mind, not the, not the front of my mind. But I, um, to, to explain this thought, I want to just take a moment to explain the culture of our church at that time. Now, we had really awesome uh, worship teams at our church. Our worship pastor was this really talented, really cool guy who had been in the uh, secular music world for years before, before uh, becoming a worship pastor. And he was still uh, connected in the secular music world and would actually evangelize in that world a lot. And so people would get saved and kind of come be part of our worship team that were 
working these uh, you know musicians that work for different recording artists and things like that. And so we had these really really talented uh, worship teams, multiple really talented worship teams. Now, one of the um, negative side effects of that very positive thing was that a little bit of a culture had been created in our church at that time. Not, nothing anyone would have said explicitly, but in the background of our culture. And it, it would be something like this, um, that you know, if you weren't you know, standing and raising your hands or dancing or visibly showing that you were interacting with worship, well, then maybe you weren't really worshiping that much at all. You know, nothing anyone would have said out loud, but is a background culture thing. And so I had that very thought go through my mind. I guess she's not very engaged in worship right now. It's a very roundabout way of saying I judged this woman. <laughs> and so I'm, as soon as I have that thought cross my mind, I, I feel this conviction just pop in my heart. And as soon as that happens, I start looking in the spirit and I see straight through her. And I can see her internal organs, I can see her skeleton, and I look and I can see her heart. And as I look at her heart and how it's beating, I can see this uh, greenish, whitish, bluish light oscillating back and forth through the four chambers of her heart, an exact replica and miniature of the light that I had seen in the front of the stage. And I looked around the room at everyone else and I could see the exact same light moving back and forth through the four chambers of their heart. And I immediately heard the Holy Spirit say, I'm sinking their heartbeats to mine. And it's funny because that didn't really explain why that light was there or what it was doing and what does it mean to sink your heartbeat to mine. When we're gazing upon the Lord, that part doesn't matter. That's not the point. That's not the area that he's working on right now. Now, I know in our culture, and it's, it's a good thing that we, we sometimes focus, we, we, we say, oh, you know, let go of your head and just, you know, listen to your heart. I happen to be one of those people that thinks that God created your head and your heart. Um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> um, but it is very true that there's things that your head is good at and there's things that your heart is good at. And there's things that uh, God designed your head to do and designed your heart to do. And sometimes they can get in the way of each other. And sometimes things that he's doing He's doing straight to the heart, straight to a place inside of you that's connected to the infinite nature of who he is. The part of you that your mind, the part of him that your mind cannot comprehend and never will comprehend in this lifetime. When you gaze upon him and respond, you're standing in that moment and you're receiving that. A couple of years ago, I got invited to speak at this conference, and it was a you know, big, big conference, and uh, I forget the exact title of it, but it was something, something breakthrough, you know, it was a breakthrough conference, and um, when you, you know, they generally, you know, kind of ask you to teach something that goes along with the theme, you know, about breakthrough, and so everyone's teaching their, uh, you know, great breakthrough messages, and, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I spoke in the afternoon session, and kind of get to afterwards and I, I did, just didn't feel great. You know, I'm like, I, I, you know, I gave what I had to give, but I'm looking at the people and I'm like, oh, there's a lot of people. I can feel the heaviness in the room. I can feel the, um, all of the problems, all of the circumstances, all the situations that are, that are in the room. And so I, and, uh, you know, this is maybe not the smartest thing to do, but I, I, 
after my session, it was uh, right before the next session, I got there a little bit early. And I look around the room and I start looking at the spirit at all the problems that people have. Not the most encouraging thing to do. Those of you who are discerners, uh, let this be a good piece of advice to you, is you don't always need to turn that thing on. Uh, and unless you're doing it with the Holy Spirit, it may not be very helpful for you. Um, but <laughs> That's a side note. But um, I started looking and I could see the pain that people were going through. And every single person in the room, I could look at them. I see oh, this guy's going in the middle of a divorce right now. This person is, uh, is his, you know, financial downward spiral. This person is disconnected from all of their children. They haven't, he hasn't spoken to any of them in five years. And I'm looking around the room and I can see the manifestations of these problems in all different ways. But the one uh, similarity between every single one of them is every single person is, has these chains laid over them. Some only a few, some covered from head to toe, but everyone has these chains on them and they're heavy and, and thick and tangled up. And I'm like, wow, you know, in my head, you know, some breakthrough conference, like, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, didn't say that out loud. That's, uh, that would be rude. And again, let me remind you, this is after my session. I'm like, well, I sure did a good job, didn't I? Um, and just, you know, I'm just kind of going in this own spiral in my head where I'm like, this is, this is, this is rough, you know? Well, then uh, worship starts for the, for the next session. And I don't have time to go into every, every detail, but um, I look in the spirit. And as, uh, as worship starts, I see about eight or nine angels just jump into the room carrying these, uh, carrying these hammers. And they just start dancing and jumping and skipping through the room, wildly swinging these uh, hammers and just knocking these chains off of people, knocking them off people, breaking them into pieces, shattering them completely. And so the whole first song, boom, 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 going around, breaking all these chains off of everyone until there's no chains left on any person. The next song, next song starts and then it's this kind of deeper um, kind of, the first song is very celebration oriented. Second song is this kind of deeper, more intimate kind of worship song. I see this fire come into the room and all the broken pieces of chain that are on the ground start kind of melting and liquefying. The next song comes and it's this, uh, just, just talking about the, the beauty and, and royalty of who God is. And I see this uh, angels come flying to the room carrying gold and jewels and treasures and things like that. And they're throwing all of it into the, into the crowd. And all of it is melting into the same pot that the chains were, the broken chains were in. And it just all kind of liquefies on, on the ground. And then third song, or fourth song, whatever I'm at, um, these angels jump in and they start scooping up this kind of liquid molten uh, situation and start throwing it around the room and just spatters on people. It'd be excruciatingly painful in real life, but it's perfectly fine in the spirit. Um, <laughs> never thought I'd make a molten metal joke on at church, but there we go. Um, so, and it's just sort of this messy, like liquid gold that's uh, spattered on all the different people with jewels and things like that all over them. Um, and then as we worship, I see it all start to vibrate and where it vibrates into shape, where some of it vibrates into crowns on people's head as the metal starts to cool and even the jewels kind of rattle into the appropriate place. Some of them, it's helmets and uh, swords and suits of armor and all these things. It all just kind of rattles into, into place. A completely different uh, set of equipment from every single person around the room. 
when we, when we stand and we worship, when we gaze upon the Lord, he takes our heaviness, our pains, our problems, whether they're of our own making or circumstances around us, he breaks them into pieces. He adds what he has to give and he uses the very things that were meant to bind us in bringing equipping and glory and honor and authority into our lives. And again, my brain says, you know, how, how can something be fixed in just one moment like that? Well, it can in his presence. It can when we associate and connect ourselves with an infinite God, a God who is bigger than our understanding, bigger, bigger than the limits of our universe. And, you know, I was, I was feeling this, this same weight as, you know, the news about everything happening in the Ukraine kind of came, came to the stage that it, that it has. And it was especially painful for me because I, I was a missionary kid in Eastern Europe for, for uh, when I was younger. And I, uh, I traveled to Germany almost every year and, and speak over there. And I've just always had this heart for, for Eastern Europe. And, um, and it's just, you know, uh, I don't have time. I don't want to get into all the, you know, wildness there. But just it's so hard to see that place experience so much pain over and over and over and over again. And again, in, the, in my mental capacity, seeing how things could go this way or things could go that way and having fear based on that, seeing, again, just the pain that's going on and feeling the, the depth of sorrow for that being, you know, all, all kinds of feelings, as, as I'm sure you've had and can imagine. But again, I was just reminded, I... And, you know, I was going in through my head of like, what's the solution? What's the right thing to pray? What's the right thing to do? And that's, that's not a bad thing to think. But I think sometimes we, we forget that when we're weak, he's strong. And we feel this compulsion to try to be strong in these moments. That's not a bad thing. That's not a wrong thing. There's nothing wrong with being strong. But I think we can sometimes forget, and even I can forget in a moment, that our strength is never going to be the answer. <laughs> it's his strength. And it's a moment where there, what, what we do you know, going forward is, is one thing, but taking a moment to stop and gaze upon the Lord, to gaze upon the Lord and respond, to stare into, into someone who has seen every single step of the journey already, who has seen the cost of every single step, who is, knows what the ending is, knows what the middle is, knows every single step to stare into his eyes and not receive an answer, but receive the answer, receive him, receive his nature. And I, again, I just flash in my mind, again, Justin talked about it, of, of the, the children of Israel marching around Jericho and then worshiping, playing a loud sound, shouting at the, at, the, at, the, at the end. That doesn't make any kind of sense, but that is what was happening in the spirit. They aligned themselves, they gazed upon the Lord and followed his nature and released his will onto the earth. I look at the apostle Paul and, and Silas as they were imprisoned, you know, after, after a crowd trying to beat them up. And they're just sitting in there singing, singing hymns, singing songs, and the entire jail rattles and shakes and falls open and the chains fall off of not only them, but every prisoner in there. And again, we don't have time to go into the whole story, but that's a beautiful story to look about the power of worship because Oh, yay, the solution happened. They got set free. Now they actually just sat in the jail and waited. And the, the guard that was watching was about to kill himself because he was like, oh, this is a problem. Uh, I was specifically sent to make sure this didn't happen. <laughs> um, but no, they stayed in there and led that person to Christ, led his whole family to Christ, and were released the next day. And so 
when we gaze upon the Lord, when we don't be distracted, when we don't look at the wind and the waves, when we don't look at the situations, when we don't let the circumstances determine how we respond, but instead gaze upon the Lord and respond to him, that is when we can bring a response. That's when we can posture ourselves in a way that doesn't just bring the best of what our strength have, the best of what our principles have to offer, but rather the best of what he has to offer into the earth. Does that make sense? And I, again, I, I was planning on speaking about this, uh, you know, before even all this situation came to where it has, but um, at the very beginning of COVID, I was here for our very first service that we did streaming in the uh, offices and we had our, you know, reduced worship team playing and streaming out to everybody. And, you know, when I looked out during, looked out in the spirit during the start of COVID time, uh, to make a complicated subject very simple, I saw a lot of a lot more bad stuff flying around and a lot more good stuff flying around. There's just a lot more of everything, um, and which just happens sometimes. And I noticed that as we were worshiping, this river of light was shooting out of our little office building, and it was going up into the atmosphere and going out in multiple different directions. Which I don't know why there was going the specific directions it was. I don't know why it was you know following this path or following that path. But what it did was it cut this pathway where it was almost like this highway where only the good stuff was allowed to travel, you know, and all the bad stuff had to wait for that stuff to pass by, if, if that makes sense. I don't understand exactly what that means. I don't know. It, I, I wouldn't want to create this, uh, you know, religious theology around it. It's like, okay, well, we have to worship this much to equip the pathways so that we can be the divine air traffic controllers for the... Um, now again, it's, it's this picture of when we posture ourselves as gazing upon the Lord, it has, it has powerful consequences in our city, in our country, and in the world. It, <clears throat> when we tap into the peace of him that is so much bigger than us, then we, are tap, then we are tapping into our ability to have an impact that is so much bigger than us that is so much bigger than us. And I want to be clear, it doesn't mean we don't declare, that we don't pray, that we don't do these other things. But I, I would love to suggest that I, I would, before we would do any of those things, that we would first have a posture of gazing upon him and responding. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.